Welcome to episode 152 of No Challenges Remaining, live from Madrid. I'm Ben Rothenberg, joined by my dear friend Courtney Wynn. Oh, hey, Courtney. Hello. Oh, hey, Ben. How are you doing today? It's been a, it's been a very busy first couple of days of, of Madrid, I guess, especially in WTA. So this is a very packed schedule you're, you're throwing at right away. Yeah, no, for sure. Saturday start because the, um, the uh, final is on Saturday as well. So first round was played on Saturday and Sunday. So... And then with, like, TV coverage didn't start on Saturday, and then all the players coming in from, like, Rabat and um, Prague Mm -hmm. and uh, qualifying hadn't finished yet, so everything got stacked onto Sunday, and I think I've been kind of trying to shovel out of it ever since. But it's been good. It's the first time I've covered the tournament as a journalist, so it's all kind of new to me, and and I've been actually very impressed from, like, the the behind-the-scenes stuff. The staff has been phenomenal. I, I... not that I wasn't expecting that, but it was it, it surprised me pleasantly for no, sure. No, I've same thing. Also, my first time being at this tournament at all. Period. I haven't been in Spain in uh, seven years since before this, so it's been nice to come back to Spain. Although I feel like I haven't seen any of the city yeah, or no, anything yet. I'm, sta- I'm staying out towards the Caja Magica as well. But yeah, it's been interesting. I mean, the tournament is some ways different than I expected in person. Some ways the same. I mean, I think the courts. What you see on TV about them looking very big and very metallic and everything that holds true, and they are really big. Like when you're in the in the inside the Cajamaca, which I was for the first time today for a bit of Murray Stepanek, just like the seats, like on San, on Manolo Santana. And, and Manolo, right. right. That's the other thing I learned is that those aren't interchangeable terms. Right. I thought, no, the Caja is like the Foro. It's, right. It's the venue. It, it, and then, yeah, it yeah. includes all the courts, especially the ones that I guess are sort of the, literally attached. Um, so, but yeah, the seats in Minola Santana are just pushed pretty far back. Uh, there's not very many seats near the court. And even I was sitting in the media seats, which are pretty good. They would be good normally, and they're not bad. Um, but they're like in the 11th row of the stadium, and you just feel like you're really far back from being in the 11th row. Um, so anyway, that is precious to that. But otherwise, yeah, the tournament's more condensed and just more built up than I thought it would be. I guess I kind of never, you know, I associate European Masters events with Rome, and it's very different than Rome, which is very elongated and spread out and very sort of feels part of the nature here it's like a very it almost feels like a theme park that's you know built out in the suburbs and it has this sort of theme to it mm. uh with uh, the futuristic thing they have going here and all the restaurants and stuff are real fancy and i had no idea any of that stuff was here too so the vip yeah i saw a couple of like questions on twitter about like you know some of the attendance at the turn at the matches and stuff mm-hmm. and why the stands are empty uh, we were, it was very nice of the tournament to invite us to the VIP area one yeah. night for dinner um, because we're not allowed in there ever. <laughs> and it was like, I mean, I it, no was idea it was whole, there. It was a whole operation to even get us in there. So m- mega, mega props <laughs> to the communications department uh, at the at the Madrid tournament. But yeah, like we got in there and I was like, holy crap, man, if I had access to this, I would never go watch tennis. Right? It was dope. Like it, Like we sat down and they gave us a map. <laughs> of the food like because there's like different stations and it's like different colored rooms and it's a little bit like like a culinary epcot almost. it's amazing yeah. there's a whole hamona barico station which if you guys want to know a funny story because you if you follow me on twitter you know how obsessed i am with iberian ham you and benoit yeah yeah hamona barico that like so i go to this go to this thing and like i sit down everybody goes up you know it's buffet style people go get food and our good friend Marta mm-hmm. Mateo came back with like a plate of hamon, and I was like, "Holy crap! Where'd you get that?" She's like, "Oh, there's a whole stand," and I was like, "Oh, 
that everybody's like, aren't you going to go? And I was like, well, I'm going to go after. Like, I'm, it's going to be my dessert. I'm going to eat, like, Hamona Berico for dessert. So I, like, eat my whole meal, and then I go over to the, the, the ham stand. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like ham for dessert is the most delicious lemon you've ever been, by the <laughs> Working way. Working on my night ham, um, which it like was. A, it was, like, literally, ham. like, 11 o'clock at night. It's like a dessert wine. My it's dessert, a dessert ham. ham. And so I go down there. And literally, I am. There's only a one person ahead of me, uh-huh. and they ran out of ham. They literally couldn't slice anymore. Yeah, I was the guy in front of me was like begging there. the guy to keep slicing, and the guy was like, "Seriously, bro, there's no. I don't speak Spanish because they have like, like they have like the it. leg of the of the pig there. Yeah, like, yeah you yeah. see the the hoof. Yeah, the, so, so there's they're slicing, yeah. and the guy was like, "Dude, that's bone. There is no more meat on this thing." So I did not get my free super special ham uh, that night. But don't you worry, because the hotel breakfast. I eat ham every morning. Petra Kvitova has the last four day has the last two days sat there, like at another table. But for some reason, she sits at the same table every morning, and I sit at the same table every morning. And she's like looking at my table, like it's very awkward. Is she judging your ham? She's probably judging my ham. Everybody's been judging my culinary choices this week, and um, but yes, she has she has witnessed me multiple times polish off a plate of ham only to stand up and go back. For another plate of ham. This term is so condensed uh, that a lot of things obviously will change by the time people probably listen to this in terms of results. Is, I mean, back, everyone in the WTA side is playing tomorrow. Uh, we record this on Tuesday. Um, so Patrick Vito is one of the remaining players. I guess thought, just any brief takeaways from the early results, which have been, again, in a big WTA tournament uh, this year, top seeds losing early. It's happened a bunch of times already uh, with top two seeds losing first round, uh, Kerber and Radvanska, respectively two and one. Uh, both falling to tough opponents first round in Sibokova and Shritsova. Um So not shocking upsets, either of them per se, but it's, again, a, a field that looks pretty wide open, except for Vika, who doesn't look fully fit. So open season, I guess, at this one. Yeah, no, definitely an open tournament. It was, I mean, it was relatively open to start the tournament. I think that in um, the draw reaction podcast for WT Insider that I did with our good friend, Renee Denfield. Mm-hmm. Um, Past NCR guest. Yes. And uh, he, uh, we both were kind of saying, you know, it, it's tough to call. I mean, based on history, you would say that, not history, but the first three months, you would circle Azarenka and Kerber as being, you know, potential favorites. Kerber came in. And, you know, the three first round matches that everybody circled as being like, oh, crap, that's kind of, balls was uh Redvanska Sibilkova, which turned out to be a three set kind of tough, tough, tough match yeah. and Aga went out. Uh, that's a good rivalry of like of like sort of the non like mm-hmm. non slam winner rivalries we have Great in the WTA this decade. Styles. Exactly. And they just they played a lot of matches. A I lot mean, of matches. It's gotta be so frustrating for Redvanska, right? She comes in, I asked her at all access hour, it's like how does it feel to be a top seed at a clay court mandatory tournament yeah. and she kind of smiled and she's like it's weird like you know like she knows it and I think the self-awareness at this point with Aga with respect to her clay results and her clay prowess is um, is pretty evident and, and she's healthy. not playing she's not playing Rome and she's smart I mean she's said, look like I would love to prepare properly obviously for the French and I want to do well at the French she lost their first round last year she has points to pick up but she's skipping Rome and in and thinking about adding an extra grass tournament to her schedule, which makes sense, you know. And so yeah. I kind of I kind of like that a little bit. It's all, it's almost like Radikian, you know, back with I Andy. I was going to say Roddick, yeah, yeah. and or Sampras before. I mean, like every, like a lot of players, even or what Navrat- people Navratilova. used to think that like Andy should do, like chill out, bro. Andy like, Murray, yeah, like don't yeah. worry about it too much. But he had a great clay season last year. Yeah, he's turned that around. But Andy Roddick, you're right, it's a good example. And I think I've always said that. I say that for Venus too. Like if Venus mm. no showed this whole clay season. Honestly, I'd be happy. 
because she should be knowing at this point, even though she's pretty stubborn about her self-belief and everything, she's not in Madrid, neither is Serena, but Venus especially should be saving all of her energy for that last great Wimbledon run, the and cinematic Olympics. thing. And Olympics, exactly. And those are her two priorities, and those are where she has the best chances. I mean, especially if she wants to be doing some doubles training, if you want to get real medal-specific. Doubles Olympics is her best shot at big glory in 2016. Um, she and Serena have not played much together at all lately. So that's getting ahead of ourselves, obviously. We're time to talk about Olympic doubles later. But it's true. I think I do think people knowing to peak at the right times is an important thing. A similar note, Roger Federer pulled out here. We're in the press room, as we say that. So I was remembering when Federer was up there pulling out. Uh, Federer pulls out, has not played very much this year either. Uh, he and Serena have both only contested three tournaments each this year, both 34 years old. Uh, parallels abound. Federer, yeah, similarly, I think... I don't know if you would agree. It's probably doing a smart thing by not not sure. playing when questionable at a tournament that is not uh, part of the you know master plan for him to have the success he wants this year. And the bottom, and even in his comments when he withdrew from Madrid, it's it he did in the way that he phrased um, you know his recovery plan of like wanting to be ready for the French Open. He also threw in at and Wimbledon at the latest. It's about Wimbledon for Roger and the Olympics. I would presume. I don't know if Roger actually cares about the Olympics. I, I haven't read. Yeah, that wasn't in his I wasn't he didn't talk it's, about Olympics. He's never really been. I mean, not that that's obviously that's not true. He cares about the Olympics. Everybody cares about the Olympics if you get a medal. He hasn't obviously won a gold medal. Um and I don't know. I mean, different tennis players have different takes on the Olympics. Um so and tennis at the Olympics. But um some people really think it's a big deal and some people are like, dude, I when I was training, and then I've talked to a bunch of veteran WTA players about this, yeah. and they're like, "Dude, when I was growing up and practicing, I wanted to win Wimbledon. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't put in those hours to win a gold medal. We like, had, yeah, we like had, we not had to sh- be weird, but we had a know. show with Lindsay Davenport talking about this, same right? Thing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And she said once Capriotti, who was her same age, won in Atlanta. She was like, "Oh, maybe this is a a, a new item item to add to my checklist, maybe, right. but it's not the priority." It, it, I think some people are getting a lot more Olympic questions now in press conferences. Mm-hmm. It's happening. Players are talking about staying in the village or not. Andy Murray said he's not staying in the village, um, which got some – we got surprised when whoever was asking about that. Well, there's that. the Roger Federer thing. He's staying 160 kilometers or 80 kilometers outside and will travel by helicopter. I'm like, that's the most Roger Federer thing I've ever heard of, and I hope that he coordinates with Elena Yankovic. I was going to say, Elena Yankovic <laughs> taking a helicopter to her court would be wonderful. Um, I did, One Olympic tidbit that I did hear I thought was interesting – was uh, randomly that Burdich really wants to play mixed with Pliskova. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I Carolina hadn't heard that. told me the same thing because I asked. I've been trying to investigate the Czech um, Fed Cup situation, not Fed Cup, the, the Czech Olympic situation, which is, you know, pretty. The singles players are pretty locked in, but the doubles situation is a bit very um, fluid. Very yeah. fluid. And so I asked Carolina if she was interested in playing, and she said she wasn't sure because she, yeah, she might play mixed with Tomash. So. That would, and that would work out well. And yeah. yeah, but I don't know if, yeah, there's just a lot of good options for them. So all all these things are good to get to in August. Uh, and that's what's kind of made this week, like just the first like four days really exhausting is like there's so many things to talk about. So many things to tee up. And to, and to talk to with these players where it's like I could like not talk about tour stuff. I could not talk about French Open stuff. And I could just have like burned all of my time trying to figure out Olympic stuff. Or I could have just asked you know, try to tee up French Open preview stuff, or yeah. you talk about Madrid itself. Yeah, it's been really busy. It's been a lot, <laughs> Courtney. Courtney, I've like never seen you like I've been away from your desk as much. Yeah. I will say as, as this as this tournament. Yeah, you've been on the run, so hopefully all that's trickling out of insider slowly but outlet surely. Soon. It's, it's a lot of hunting and gathering, and then once you get 
everything. Then you, you get back to the tent and ga- you cook. You're gathering acorns for gathering for acorns. not for the spring, which is not what people usually do seasonally. But you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so be <laughs> whatever. <laughs> there will, there will, acorns will keep growing. That's the tough part. Yeah. Um, speaking of acorns, one. I don't know how I'm going to segue this to Baczynski, but Tamea Baczynski is a. Nutty. I wouldn't call her nutty. <laughs> I would call. I wouldn't call her squirrely either. I would call her um, well intellectually ripened as an acorn. Not, yeah, not that's a, Not an unripe acorn. Not green. A very seasoned acorn. One who's fallen from the tree and grown into something beautiful. Love that. That's, well done. That you was got pretty there. well you saved. Got there. That you was pretty there. well saved. Yeah. Although she's, um, I don't want to say wilting a bit, but she's at a, at a windblown few days. This analogy is losing steam. <laughs> I'm going to keep trying. Uh, she was in Rabat, uh, where she found fertile soil, winning a title there, um, and has had to turn around very quickly and get repotted in Madrid. <laughs> Courtney's face is so skeptical. Uh, but she's tried a quick turnaround here, and she was nice enough to give us some of her time. She's clearly very tired. Um, but she's someone And who's... again, and this is like, I think I want to say, oh, yeah, like back when we did maybe episode 100, Petkovic had lost in Charleston and yeah. it still agreed to do the podcast. Mm-hmm. This is kind of a, the same situation with Tamea Baczynski yeah. where she had won. She's exhausted. She's won seven matches in eight she's days. She has to play again tomorrow. She has to play again tomorrow. And yet, you know, and she could have declined yeah. and she agreed to sit down with us. So that's incredibly uh, classy. She, and, of her. She, and she's been on our wish list for the show forever. Um, as ever since I first sat down with her and talked to her at the French Open back when she was. All credit to Ben. All credit, and I will take all credit for this um, yeah. when she and just heard her whole story. And I guess some background I'll give because she does sort of talk in this interview as if people know this because she knows we know it but for you guys if you don't know her story in a nutshell or an acorn shell she <laughs> uh, i'm t- making a lot of faces t- with these puns, you really man. are it's a very visual episode this one <laughs> Baczynski, um was a great junior was uh number one junior when she was very young like 13 14 won uh, big junior tournaments in france back to back exactly uh and then uh had some Got on tour. Was an was not a bad tour player at all. Was a top fifty player, um, but just the, the built up stress of having been pressured into the sport by her father uh, really got to her, and eventually she walked away from the game um, for a bit after some injuries and took up uh, an entirely different life course uh, while she sort of got her mind together uh, to study hotel management. Was working in the kitchens of you know hotels, at least one hotel in Switzerland, living this whole different life, and then got an email that she was still eligible to play French Open qualifying in 2013, uh, drove her car from wherever she was in Switzerland to Paris, and then and on her own terms has resumed this tennis career. And this second career for her has been incredibly great. Uh, obviously, last year she made the French Open semis after a really good year up to that point where she won back-to-back titles in Mexico. Um, she was, again, up a set and a break, I believe, on Serena in that French Open semi. So she's done really well, got into top 10, was close to Singapore last year, was part of the Singapore race anyway, which you all remember how close that was. And yeah, now she's re- her status has really changed in terms of uh, where she sits on tour. And that's sort of what I wanted to ask her about, is just how she adjusts to these new expectations when she was coming back as a sort of nothing-to-lose player. And it's just, I think it's always a treat listening to her. And I know, Courtney, she's also for you one of your favorite players to just sit and chat with. Yeah, no, she's kind of like a, a regular conversation buddy, uh, yeah. Tamea Baczynski. For me, um, as one who travels with the tour, um, she's just incredibly open. She's very nice. And she has opinions. And you she'll know, engage and she's, on stuff. And she's very smart. And that's yeah. something that I really appreciate. So I remember last year in Asia, 
uh, which is kind of a, a unique situation when you're doing the China tournament simply because, you know, the players are almost a little bit, well, certain players are a little bit more chatty because they don't get to speak English all day. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and, and they're just surrounded by Mandarin. And, and um, so to find somebody that can they can just, to. yeah, relate yeah. to and talk to for a little while during a very long Asian stretch. So, um, yeah, I would sit next to her on the bus and we would just kind of chat on the way to site and stuff like that. And, and she's great. And she's always been incredibly nice to me and, and very open and, and thoughtful and, and um, really um, generous with her time, which is yeah. actually something that we discuss. We talk about here. And so yeah. here is Tamea briefly uh, talking to us here no i understand no it's been a you've been busy yeah. no for sure it's i just want to ask because how how you're handling this transition from i mean when i talked to you first time a couple of years ago in paris um you were just coming through qualifying you were getting up there you played Roehampton next week and getting used to being uh, back on tour now you're a reliable top player who has to do crazy things like you know win win a tournament and go play the next tournament and becoming a top player i'm just wondering how you how you've handled that that status change so far well it was uh, especially tough uh, last year for me uh, after the first uh, half of the season uh, it was just amazing the attention uh, what which was on me after Wimbledon, it was kind of crazy. So uh, I had to deal with it, and uh, I didn't know I had anemia as well. So uh, at that time, I went to play all the U.S. tournaments, and uh, not knowing that my anemia—I mean, my uh, iron level—was at 25, which is uh, normally you have to be minimum at 70. So I was really uh, digging. Uh, I don't know where, and um, plus uh, you have all this notoriety. 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 Notoriety, yeah. Notoriety, sorry. That's good. Um, which, uh, like, the attention on me and everything, and I was like, oh, my God, how am, how am I going to deal with that? So um, I tried to... Uh, I mean, it was really new, so you have yeah. to take time to adapt. But um, I'm lucky also to have a, such a, a, such a experience... I cannot talk anymore <laughs> when I'm tired. Ex- experienced um, coach because uh, he had uh, this thing happened as well with With Stan Stan, so uh, he has me a lot about it Um, even though I'm first of all I'm a woman and it's different than a man and um, character wise uh, we're really different uh, so but that's why uh, I believe he's one of the best coaches uh, on tour right now men or women because he can adapt to any kind of player and uh, it's not the player which has to adapt to the coaching um, that he's doing so he's uh, he helped me a lot and uh, well it was the same um, at the beginning of this year going in Australia knowing that uh, I'm one of the top players but uh, level wise uh, I was probably yeah. yeah, yeah I was like I don't know bravo d'Andreas aussi <laughs> On joue quand ensemble? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. And um, he's really uh, one of my good friends on tour yeah. with his whole team. Uh, we like to go to dinner together. Anyway. Like Lucas Puy, for those yeah, wondering. Yeah. And uh, sorry. Uh, no, 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 ah, fine. yeah, because I'm. Uh, <laughs> You're okay. record. And uh, yeah, well, we used to hit sometimes also together, with, like oh, yeah? warm ups and everything. Okay. So uh, yeah, it's uh, kind of nice. I'm just. I mean, w- just wondering on the notoriety you talked about. What? Where? Where do you feel that? Like, what is it? The interview request? Is it seeing your photo in the newspaper all the time? Is it? Where do you sort of f- sense? Ha- yeah, where does where are the symptoms of the notoriety? If you know what I mean. 
like because people are watching you, like looking at you, all those eyes turn to you, and this kind of pressure. Like you lift your arm, then people are like watching, or I don't know you. Well, especially in Switzerland, you go somewhere and everyone knows you. And well, um, also I'm I'm an open-minded person, so I like like to kind of talk with everyone yeah. usually. But now I had to, as well. Um, stop that because I don't have energy for everyone and actually um, they care about the tennis player those people they don't care about Timea right. because and they comment uh, my matches or uh, like even here one of the press guys like was talking like I think he thinks that I did too much drop shots I mean everyone can com- <laughs> everyone can comment I mean yeah. what's funny that okay let's say my, let's okay my mom's a dentist I won't ever go of, uh, to her office and say oh, well I don't think that you took the good uh, good thing out uh, or you should have done this uh, right. somehow else because but with sports everyone feels like they can do yeah, that yeah b- because they everyone's they just sit uh, in the couch and, it's and so easy. Uh, then it's it's really easy. It's the easiest yeah. thing. It's to comment. Uh, oh, why did she hit the forehand that way? Oh, why did she slice? Oh, why did she uh, didn't she come to the net? Oh, why did she play a double fold? Okay, I'm dealing with my job, <laughs> and, and thanks, I'm not dealing with the job of the others. Yeah, so no, I'm curious. You mentioned having to close yourself up more and not talk as much, and that's what I was struck with when we first talked two years ago. Was just how open you were about all the things you went through, your emotions and everything, and you kind of kept talking about that when I saw you later over the last year and everything. I'm wondering if that if that becomes hard to keep doing that over and over, if you're still open to sharing all these emotions in, in your history, or if you're at some point you have to try to just to preserve your own energy and your own sanity, I guess, or whatever, to, to close that off a bit more. It depends probably the moment, because uh, you cannot uh, commit uh, to everything uh, uh, every time. Um, sometimes I have like more time and... I feel more free also to talk about something, and uh, like here, I, let's say if I would have, uh, I don't know, tomorrow day off, I would be like talking with you uh, probably uh, like for the next half hour. <laughs> yeah. But um, I can't do that because I have my priorities. Yeah. And uh, now I think I can deal better with that. Um, I know which, where I want to go, or I mean, not where I want to go because I don't know where I'm in tennis-wise. I don't know how far I can still go. But uh, at least I would like to put every chances on my side. And for that, I know I have to make some sacrifices. But You have to learn to say no. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, And this is my big problem. I used to say yes to everything. Um, I feel feel bad saying no to someone. Like... um, even uh, if kids are asking me something they're like oh can you give me a wristband they're like okay I don't have as much as uh, I don't know Roger and I can throw it away but I feel like ah, no sorry I mean and I don't even have to apologize actually but I used to like all the time apologize but now I learned that as well I mean I have to say more no but it's tough um, but yeah I mean sometimes it's a priority thing you know, which before I thought Today I thought I would do press at four, but then my physio said, "Okay, well, I think you should you should go through press now earlier. Then you go to the ice bath, and then we can work, and then you're done with your thing, and you can think about something else." So uh, that's why I right away uh, texted uh, someone from the WTA to, uh, to push, it push it forward because I know that I want my priority is to be. Um, competitive tomorrow on court. Is it tough though because you're going from a situation where before you kind of came back 
hotel services, you're think, talking about servicing people, taking care of people. And I know you said, I like to take care of other people. You like to cook and everything. Yeah. Now, tennis isn't about other people. It's tennis selfish. is about you have, to, you. you. have to be selfish here. Yeah. You kind of have to just put yourself number one. How it, Does that come naturally to you or what? No, I'm learning it. Yeah. Well, it's also one of the things which happened uh, the summer final of the Fed Cup because yeah. I, I felt like... I owned all those people something like a win, at least a win or a winning a set or something. But at the end, I just forgot to play for myself, and um, I absorbed like all the pressure was was there, and I absorbed it like a sponge. But I couldn't like expel it. Expel it, and then there were some other issues as well. Why like my head went everywhere during the weekend, and. Um, like uh, obviously all the people talked about it yes my dad was there um, I knew it already a week before uh, and it was uh, kind of ridiculous uh, to like of him but it's my point of view anyway yeah. um, and, you're, you're um, allowed your point of view sure yeah. Exactly. Yeah. and uh, and while dealing then with the pressure and uh, and feeling that oh, I have to I have to, I have to do something <laughs> like it's the semi-final yeah. like I'm dreaming of that and uh, at the end, I just forgot like to play for myself, and that's it. Yeah. And uh, that helped me also for next uh, for the week later to, for to Rabat. Remind yourself, yes. it's for you. Yes, and Not for it happened uh, that in Rabat, uh, like sometimes I'm, uh, I was telling myself on court, okay, now I'm playing for myself. Um, I'm, I don't care if someone says this or that. I mean, if I lose, I don't own owe uh, anyone anything. Yeah. I owe it to, to me. That's it. What, what do you feel like you owe yourself going forward here? I mean, I mean, you obviously had an incredible run last year. You made French Open semifinals, which people... It wasn't a you know complete shock if you played well that year, but it was more than maybe people expected so soon. Going forward, do you, do you change what you're satisfied with, or do you just keep trying to tell yourself that whatever you can do is, is okay? Uh, I think I'm, uh, I'm unrestless at this... <laughs> I don't know how to say. <laughs> so I can never get satisfied. I yeah. mean, um, sometimes it's um, this is something coming also from my childhood. Probably, like even if I do something really well, I'm like I could do even more, even better. I mean, I'm never satisfied, and I, I have to learn that as well because sometimes I have to rest and say, okay, that and was be enough. Kind to yourself, to be yeah. fair to yourself. Exactly. Yes. You know, my coach just, tells me that all the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, most, most, you, most of you guys don't. I mean, you know, mm. I talk to the players all the time and, and some of the things that people say, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, gosh, it's okay. Like, don't worry about it. You know, be fair, be easy, be kind, be, be yeah, just, you know, be... I mean, every, every, everyone can be their own worst critic sometimes. Yeah. 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 But you guys are your harshest critics, for sure. I think this is one of my weakness that I'm. It's it can be a strength uh, on no, the other side as well. You don't want to be complacent, yeah. But yeah. Um, it makes me all the time push myself more and more and more. And uh, when uh, I feel like I didn't do enough at practice, uh, I'm like asking, okay, let's let's go for more. Uh, can I go for a run? Can I do something else? Can I do some more physics, uh, physical practice, mm-hmm. or something? Because I feel like uh, okay. Uh, uh, I love what I'm doing, and it won't last forever. Yeah. So I just trying, I'm just trying like to push as far as I can, and then uh, we'll see uh, what uh, can happen. Is it easy? For, let's get the last thing. Are you, are you still able to have as much fun with it? I remember when you talked about coming back two years ago. It was about coming back on your own terms and 
doing it is your choice. And I guess as it gets, this is obviously a tough moment to talk to you because you've, you've won like seven matches in eight days <laughs> or like, something crazy. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're at the bottom of the barrel of energy right now. But is it still something that you're that you're ha- have excitement for? That you have your own drive and passion when you get up in the morning? You're like, hey, I'm going to go be a tennis player today, and it's going to be great. Or is that uh, sometimes a challenge to keep up that sort of enthusiasm? Um, I think. Sometimes it's tough, but it's uh, the same for in every job. Yeah. So um, sometimes you're just like saying, "Oh wow, I would do something else, like just now, quickly, yeah. <laughs> and then come back." Yeah. But um, you have to find your own motivations. Uh, small motivations can uh, then bring to big uh, success many times. But you sometimes, for sure, at home uh, I see. Uh, friends are saying oh why don't you come here oh why don't you uh, stay at us tonight or oh we have a great weekend but then I'm like okay am I going to be happier if I go there and then the next day I don't feel great on court because I think maybe I, I didn't sleep enough or then I'm like all the time it's a balance like you see the scale in front of you and you're like okay what uh, what is more heavy? Yeah. Like, is it heavier? Is it is it gonna bring me more satisfaction to be committed to my sport uh, as soon as I uh, as long as I still can, uh, and I'm finally like healthy uh, without injury, um, or is it gonna bring me more joy to go? I don't know, see people and uh, I don't know, a party or whatever. So many times for decisions, it's a priority thing as well. Yeah. So. Um, even though it's tough sometimes and you feel tired, you're like, okay, sometimes you have to push yourself, give yourself the extra kick, and it has to come from yourself. You cannot ask someone to be uh, next to you and uh, to feel, uh, to be, to all the time uh, tell you, okay, you have to move uh, your butt today, and that's why I don't believe in those uh, pushy parent stuff, because it has to come from the player if they really want to uh, be uh, probably limitless, because uh, there we're all the time on our own on on the court and if we have to push ourselves at uh, I don't know uh, love three in the third it's not uh, X or uh, Y which is gonna which is gonna be next to the court and saying oh now you have to go you have to go you have to push yourself no you have to find it in you and uh, it has to come naturally and or you have to work on it that it comes naturally uh, when you're on tennis court well, it seems to be coming very well for you lately thank you we'll let you go back to your you. rest of your priorities sorry for my bad English no, it's no. when I'm tired you always it's, apologize uh, and it's never your English bad. is not yeah, bad yeah. trust me but when, when I'm tired uh, you should hear his French yeah. oh my god <laughs> uh, so thank you very much to Maya and thank you guys for listening to this episode of No Challenges Remaining if you want to follow along with us when you're not listening you can do so by liking us on Facebook facebook.com slash and see our podcast uh we appreciate your likes there and you'll get episodes and you guys can have like conversations about the show if you want to like comment on them and engage with the rest of this ncr community and find members of this tribe (laughs) your your people are out there folks and this is a place for you to congregate if you're one of the people who puts this show in your ears weekly you're a certain kind of person and we like you (laughs) that's true exactly and we think that you'll like the rest of you people like you too so please use that as a for as a form of something uh you can also respond to us on twitter or follow us on twitter at ncr underscore tennis uh and if you want again if you want to do conversation there's hashtags for the episode number if you want to talk about that episode no one ever really does that even though i try to start them I can try, yeah. i'm not good at hashtags but i feel like some people like them i don't know yeah i've never actually i don't use hashtags as like a search like i very rarely like click on hashtags right. to see an entire 
I, listen, like, I listened to the 99% Invisible about the uh, about the, yeah. p- the pound symbol, yeah. which now hashtag and how that all started. So yeah, it made me feel like that's something we should at least try to do. So hashtag NCR152 for this episode if you want to join it. And also coming up, hashtag NCR Vision for the <laughs> NCR Vision song contest, which Ben's I have been, been working so hard on is, it. It has been a labor of love. It's been, it's been I'm Your sure. Your Kickstarter money has gone has gone to good good use here. Or some use, at least. Good good is in the eye of the beholder, but it's gone to use. <laughs> I'm putting work into this for sure. Uh, and it's been, I have plenty of, if you want to send submissions, please do so by, as I said, May 5th, uh, which is Thursday. Um, I is think today's tomorrow? the 3rd. Oh, maybe. Okay. Yeah, let's go with thir- it, May 5th, whatever day of the week that is. Um, you'll, you'll look at a calendar and figure it out. Uh, but we do have plenty of songs already, so don't feel the need to. We have uh, more than enough. It's going to be a tough process of trimming it down because we have like 40 like really solid contenders. And that is <laughs> that is way too much. So, I agree. Um, we're going to have a, a sort of a bonus um, honorable mention montage in the results show or something. So we'll, uh, we'll figure something out to do with the rest of them. And thank you guys for everyone who has sent them in. There's some very cool stuff, some stuff you'll like, some stuff you'll hate. It's just like Eurovision. <laughs> exactly it'll like be, Eurovision. It'll be tremendous. Um, and yeah, so that is that. If you want to send us anything else besides song requests or uh, recommendations or whatever, or your own original compositions, obviously, email us, no challenges remaining at gmail.com, questions, comments, whatever about the show. We like that. And you can also get the show automatically, including upcoming episodes, including the NCR Vision Song Contest, by subscribing to us on iTunes, where you can leave reviews, or any other podcast app uh, for your mobile device or computer or whatever. And those get you the episodes automatically and are really the way to go for your podcast consumption of this and other programs. I see Courtney has hers out right now. I'm getting ready for the rant raid. All right. Well, before you do that, I should say the executive producers of No Challenge Remaining are... Francisco Resendez of TennisBalls.com and Tao Woolley. Courtney, are you raving about the heart? I am just looking over your shoulder as you scroll. What is what is on your mind about the heart? Yes. Well, one of my podcasts. What is the heart? Yes. So one of my favorite podcasts that I listen to regularly um, is uh, a podcast called The Heart, Mm -hmm. um, which is about. It's. I mean, first of all, I'm just going to say it's not safe for work. Um, so don't listen to this like in the car or or around kids. Um, maybe best in your ears. I was gonna say even when it's like not safe for work, sometimes it's like language, but also sometimes it's just like emotional rawness that you wouldn't want your coworkers to hear. Exactly, and yeah, and and so it's it's but it's it's it is one of my favorite podcasts just because I think that what they do is is very interesting just from a storytelling perspective. From um, sometimes it's actual reporting. There's a lot of different ways that they kind of different types of episodes, but. on this trip, I've been doing a lot of podcast catching up because we have about a 30-minute um, ride to site every day. Mm-hmm. So it's a perfect amount of time to catch up. And I eat breakfast and I have my headphones in. Um, but one of the episodes that I really, really loved from the heart um, came out in December that I hadn't listened to called Idiot and Dummy. Okay. And um, we can include a link to it. But um, I highly recommend it. I was riveted. Like, it's just basically kind of a... A love story gone wrong. Um, n- not wrong, but a love story that doesn't end happily. I guess is so a lot of their way. stuff is like yeah, yeah, like the the sort of wrinkles of the of, podcast of is love. very. It's about love and sex. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of like, I mean, really interesting like reporting about like sex and just modern like yeah. sex habits and stuff like that, which is fascinating. And I think Caitlin Prest, who's one of the hosts, has like one of the best podcast voice up there. She's like the fem- to me. She's like the female version of Roman Mars. Like where I'm just like. 
read the dictionary. I'll listen. I think her voice is wonderful. So um, it's a great podcast. But yeah, Idiot and Dummy is the episode, and we'll include a link. There are two other episodes of The Heart that come to mind for me that I liked. One is, it was called, like, How to Become a Princess. Yes. Is that the, t- the title? That, that's Something the one like that, that I, cho- I told you yeah, to that one's to. Yeah, re- that one's really good. It's and then there is one, which is more just uncomfortable. I had to, like, get pause. It was just very much The Heart. I had to, like, pause and be like, Ugh. You really do have to kind of, like, Ugh. Um, Which was about, I think it was probably around December or November, too. It was about Aaron Carter. Oh. oh Nick Carter's brother. Yeah, I haven't heard that And one. it's about this fan i'm pretty sure i'm 90 percent sure it's on the heart yeah i'm sure it's on the heart this girl who's like obsessed with aaron carter and like how her like unrequited love and if it's healthy that she's like traveling all around the country to follow aaron carter and like what aaron carter means to her it's and it's just like and it's, it's so it's a secondhand it, like, embarrassment and that's what i was saying that's why i like the like not safe for work it's like hearing someone talk this openly and rawly about their obsession with aaron carter it's just like people might be like what yeah this? so yeah no, and i think i i think that i've actually raved about the heart before like when we talked about podcasts and Mm -hmm. podcasts that you should listen to um but there was this whole series that they did last year called eintagsliebe the one day's love yeah yeah, yeah. um about basically one night stands and they did three episodes that i remember listening to during the women's world cup drive that i did through canada that were just i mean so so good heartbreaking like euphoric whatever they were just really well done in how they were kind of like because a lot of some of the episodes are reenactments so you'll have they'll have voice actors kind of like reenacting the thing Mm -hmm. that actually happened or something so they do a great job with the soundscapes anyways i'll stop but caitlin pressed the heart fantastic it should be your one of your regular listens Mm -hmm. if you're old enough to handle said material (laughs) if you're young don't do that I how, yeah, I don't. I don't have a super young episode. I think we have, have some young listeners. Although I gotta say, putting that parental advisory label on them is only gonna make them want it. Well, more. yeah, that was the thing, right? Back in the day, exactly. like Two Live Crew, like if yeah, Two Live Crew was one of the first bands that got the parental advisory explicit lyrics. So. It only made Kim Murray cooler. It's true. So. It's true. So yeah, um, let's see. I I was gonna do. I, I don't really have the energy to do the whole Jeopardy thing, which I should probably do at some point because I know a lot of people have asked about that. And this is a good format for it. So I'll do that. I'll take a rain check on that. But it will. And if you haven't listened to the, seen the show, uh, I'll post a link to it in here if you want to do that. Because it probably makes more sense to have seen it, I guess, for this purpose. Um, but I will say, re- while I was in Charleston, this happened. I was on YouTube. I don't think I was in some sort of tennis NCR vision hole of, of videos. And stumbled across a, a whole bunch of Lonely Island songs I'd never heard before. Yeah, they put out an album. And I had never heard, realized they put out an album like yeah. two years ago, maybe. Okay. And I was like, how did I miss it? I guess it was after Andy Samberg left SNL, so they weren't on SNL. And for some reason, it just fell through the cracks for me. And I got like their first two albums really quickly. I mean, they're not like obviously like high art in music, but like it's something that's great. And I, you have this app, Courtney, which you uh, have raised about, not I don't think on the show, but called TV, yeah. T-E-E-V-E-E, yeah. which basically updates you when a show that you subscribe to is coming out yep. uh, with a new episode and when it's going to be. And It's a really great app. It's really useful it's for free. TV. Do you, have you, do you use it now? I do use it's it It's great, now. right? It's and really it's beautiful. Nice. It's, it's a very really pretty. nice. And so I was just wishing there was something similar for, and I think maybe the Apple, the iPhone um. music thing is trying to do that for music, but I feel like there should be an easy way. Maybe there is. It's sort of more of a request than a rant. If anybody knows of a TV T-E-E-V-E-E equivalent for music so I can just like list like all subscribe sorts of to bands. here are right. the bands that I like so when there's a so new, new Licky Lee album or something yeah. and I don't have time to be like perusing the music blogs or there something there must be something because like yeah. I have that for concerts I have that for con- like in your area when they're in yeah, your area exactly. yeah exactly that yeah. I have that okay. I know about but like this is different so 
uh, so I was putting that call out to you, and I guess I'll find some Lonely Island to play here. Some of their stuff on the new album. It's it, again, they're always what they are, but they're they're fun. They're, I I kind of want to play. I don't know. They have a song called Spring Break something Spring Break Anthem, which is a weird mashup of two very different themes, and I'll just include that. And explicit again, parental advisory on these lyrics. Ben seriously, and I are mature adults. Yes. Yeah. So pardon our discussions of Broad City, The Heart, and Lonely Island. But we need our outlets in life. We do. We do. And with that, we will take this outlet exit out of this episode. See you guys next week for NCR Vision and maybe hopefully another show to go with that. But at least that. Get excited. Get ready to vote. Your votes will matter. And regular Eurovision is also coming up next week. So get excited for that too. Airing in the U.S. for the first time on Logo TV. I don't know if they're doing all – I don't know if it's live or whatever. But it will be there. So that's cool. It's a great – another – feather in the cap for this allegedly lame duck Obama administration to bring Eurovision <laughs> to our shores. Bye, guys. NCR out. Take it to the damn stall. Trade these beads for them. Soko in my canteen. Taco jumping on a trampoline. Two men bound by the law. Trash in motel rooms. Clogging up toilets. Beer goggles if she's a hag. Planning the menu. Picking out flowers. Nailing sluts and So happy, true love forever, two kings walking hand.